0: Hey, Welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number eight. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach, obsessed with all things goal-setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. I am so excited to share today's interview with you with a dear, sweet friend of mine, Tess Wicks. She has so much insight and information to share. It's the perfect blend of the tools, support, and inspiration that I talk about. About something that I've always thought about, and the more people I talk to, the more I realize it's kind of a common dream to spend some time living abroad, exploring a different country, pursuing a different perspective, a different pace of life, gaining a different perspective from that. And Tess is someone who has done that firsthand. She's lived in several countries in Europe now she's going to share all about her adventures and kind of give us some insight into what that actually looks like some of the things to watch out for some of the things to be aware of in case any of us go and pursue that goal ourselves it's definitely something i know i've thought about and something that maybe i will pursue in the future and if i do Tess is going to be someone that I turn to once again to help guide me down that path. So Tess Wicks is a business mentor for online money coaches. Her mission is to bring more financial literacy and confidence to the world by bringing more money coaches to the world. Through Tess's signature program, The Wealthy Coach Blueprint, Tess helps her clients create life-changing coaching packages, attract their ideal clients, and make a great income while making a big impact. Tess is also the host of the Wander Wealthy podcast, a show that has evolved along with Tess's own career, going from financial educator to money coach to business mentor for money coaches. Tess runs her business from Switzerland and loves to talk about all things money, travel, and coffee. We definitely touch on all of those topics today in the interview, Then I am as you'll soon hear, a longtime listener of the Wander Wealthy podcast. I credit her with pretty much all of the financial wisdom that I have. I have based pretty much all of my financial decisions off of things that I have learned from Tess, from the Wander Wealthy podcast. She is such a great inspiration to me, the way that she runs her business, the way she's lived in other countries, of course, financially, obviously. And as a coach, she is such a sweet person. And I cannot wait to share this interview with you. So I hope you will join me in welcoming Tess Wicks. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, Tess.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So to start out, why don't you share just a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today?
1: Oh man, that's a long story. It could be really long. Where do I start?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the very beginning. <laughs> I guess I guess
1: the very beginning is I was an actuary working in consulting. I thought I had found the thing that I was meant to do for my life because I went to college and studied that and then I was going to just climb this corporate ladder and I was very unhappy. So I started my this is like my how I started my own business and how everything else in my life happened because of a very big decision, but just one decision that I made, which was to leave my corporate job as an actuary, which was like a very safe route for me to be on. And that was everything that I knew about making money in general. And I just decided to up and leave. And so we'll start there. I left my job. I had no real plan. And I was living with a roommate at the time. And between... Herself and myself and another friend of ours, we started a podcast that kind of ran its course. But in that process, I started my own podcast, which is how I think we ended up connecting because I started a podcast all about money. And then that kind of evolved into becoming a money coach. During that journey, I also was taking on any other opportunity to make money because, like I said, I left my corporate job. Mm -hmm. I had no real plan. I didn't really know how I was going to make a full time living doing just kind of whatever would come my way. So I took on every opportunity, which led to me in Barcelona, working on a trade show for a technology company and meeting my now husband, who is Italian, moving to Italy to live with him, figuring out how to run my online business that is all about helping people with their money then moving with him to Switzerland, (laughs) (laughs) and then transitioning my money coaching business to now, today, I help money coaches build their own businesses. So I am officially a business coach for new aspiring and seasoned money coaches. And I help them with marketing and business building and coaching, all of that kind of pulled together. So... That's like the footnote or cliff notes version of my journey and how I got here today.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love that because I, um, like you implied, I've listened to every episode of your podcast, been a loyal listener for a really long time. I think I found you and joined in one of your hiatus transitions Mm -hmm. um, between those different phases, but it's been so fun to see you as you have made those transitions, as you've evolved your business, as you moved abroad, getting married and then moving around over there. It's just been so exciting to see that and follow along every step of the way. So- Why don't you talk a little bit more about the latter half of that? What was it like as you made those transitions in your business and then to running your business from a different country?
1: Yeah, I think by the time I had moved, I had accepted that I was just going to have to figure it out. But I think the most educational component of this, and if I can share a lesson from my experience is that we oftentimes make up all the reasons we can't do something because we just like don't know or don't think it's possible or have no idea if it's possible. So we decide it is not possible. Mm. And so one of my biggest hurdles of even making the decision to move abroad was it's not going to be possible for me to run my business from abroad, or I'm never going to be able to become a coach because I could never coach from a different time zone. And so I like kept myself small and I made a lot of decisions to not do things just because I assumed it wasn't possible. I didn't have a full-time coaching business before I moved abroad. I wasn't a full-time money coach at that point. But I decided until I am one, I'm not going to make decisions based off of something I have no, no real idea what it could be like. So I figured I'm going to move And then I'll just figure it out. So that was a lot of my game plan. I think that's like the story of my life, really. I'm going to quit my job and then I'll figure it out. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. If I'm your money coach, I'm not going to tell you to do that. But I am the type of person who just needs to do something like that so I can figure it out. Otherwise, I get in my head a lot. Mm. So moving abroad and running a business from abroad is interesting because a majority of my clients are US based. They're either Canadian or American. Some are um, from the UK and South Africa. So I do have some in my time zone or very close to it, but a majority are US based. And I just, my business just looks very different from how it would look if I lived in the US, but it actually works. It works great. I wake up at eight in the morning and then I start work around between 11 and 2 p.m., 11 in the morning and 2 p.m. And then I work until eight or nine. Sometimes Mm. I get off earlier, but it works because you know what? I'm married to an Italian, which means we eat dinner at nine or 10. And (laughs) that's just how our life is. We've made it work.
0: What are some of those other differences that you found as you transitioned to running your business from a different country?
1: Yeah. I think honestly, a lot of people just automatically assume once they learn what I do that I have clients in Switzerland or clients in Italy or clients like my main client base is in Europe. And that would be hard. That would have a lot of big differences for me. But because my clients are US-based and I really understand whether it's a money coaching client or it's a business coaching client, I understand the the world that they're living in and, and what they might be dealing with. It's not actually that big of a difference. Like The time zone is probably... Or the time difference is probably the biggest thing. Everything else pretty much works the same. Of course, there's the complications of having your legal entity established if you're going to do something like that or taxes, but I don't even understand that. I
0: just pay people <laughs> to help me with that. That's beyond my comprehension. Yeah. And that's something that I think it would certainly scare me moving abroad to consider those legal and financial implications. So is that kind of the best advice? Just, there are people who know their stuff and use them.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know what, if a majority of your listeners are US citizens, as an American, you have to file taxes in America anyway. Mm-hmm. I make all of my money in US dollars I still have to pay. I don't necessarily have to pay taxes in the US, but depending on your situation, you might have to. So you can still, for the most part, keep your bank accounts open, keep making money in US dollars. Just use it, I just use a credit card with zero foreign transaction fees when I'm spending my US dollars in mm. a different country. And I think I, I I have a lot of privilege in this way. I've married a European. So in terms of how we split the bills, we just do it very strategically based on our situation. Like mm-hmm. I pay for anything I can pay for with a credit card and And then he pays for rent. So, like, Mm you can manage it that way. Obviously, if you needed to pay for everything and cover everything in the currency in the place that you live, there are definitely resources and tools and specialized banks that allow you to get paid in a different currency and then have your bank in that country. And it's going to depend on the country. If you want to move abroad, it's going to depend on the place that you move. But just knowing that there are resources out there and there's also people who can help answer those questions for you as well.
0: Yeah. What should people consider if they're thinking about moving to another country, whether they work online or not? I think it's important to
1: just know that it's going to take some time to find your groove. I think it also depends on your personality. I'm very introverted and I am a perfectionist. So I'm not one to just suddenly learn bits of the language and then speak it without being terrified of (laughs) completely messing something up. That's one thing is it could take you time to find your groove and find your people and find your habits and your rituals. Some other people like to hop around and move around just understanding that like, that's a very different lifestyle than the one that I think we're traditionally raised to be a part of and probably traditionally come from. So being a little bit more transient requires being a little bit more flexible. So I think if I had to give like financial advice, it would just be to save up as much as possible so that you Mm. have an emergency fund, you have something to fall back on. Also, most countries require you to, depending on whether you're moving under a student visa or something else, they want to see that you have money so that you can like not rely on their systems because you are mm. still a citizen of your country, most likely. Mm-hmm. And then, from a business perspective or maybe a work perspective, understanding if you're going for a job, it's understanding kind of the work culture and just instead of trying to resist that. Become one with it. And I would say that from a cultural perspective too, and a social perspective. The hardest thing about moving is releasing the expectations that you have that come from your prior place of living. It was so hard for me to get over the fact that there were not just like a ton of coffee shops around that I could pop into and get a big iced latte and work all day in Italy. That just doesn't exist. And for a long time, I would just have a lot of resentment and resistance around that. But if you just instead like, Really take on the new kind of cultural norms and social norms. It's actually quite nice to not have access to that from time to time.
0: Yeah, how interesting. That's something that I wouldn't have necessarily even thought of because it's just so entrenched in American culture and maybe even business owner culture. Like you can describe your laptop and go work downtown or around the corner or wherever you want to, and that's yeah. the whole point. That's so interesting. Were there any other kind of personal hurdles that you faced as you were adjusting, like? eating dinner at nine o'clock at night or not being familiar with the language, stuff like yeah. that. I
1: somehow adjusted to the eating part. I think it was because like food is so good in Italy that mm. I just made do. Now I'm in Switzerland, it's a different story. The pandemic, mm, <laughs> also a different story. But I think the biggest thing for me was, and again, this is like a personality trait of mine. I developed a lot of social anxiety when mm-hmm. I moved and I became a lot less independent, which is something that I was very used to. I lived in Chicago by myself. I lived in Des Moines, Iowa by myself. Maybe people don't think that's a big deal, but when you're from a 8,000 person town, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And I was always very independent. I could ask for things. I could communicate that these are things that I think we often take for granted. And then you might move somewhere and you don't speak the language. And if you were grown up in the you know, traditional American perfectionist school system, then Taking risks is something that we aren't praised to do. We aren't taught to do. And so for me, even going to the grocery store and asking if I can have a bag felt like such a risk. And, and I didn't want to do it wrong. And so I would just not do it at all. And it, that mm-hmm. kind of built and built. And that was really hard for me. But it was also a really big learning opportunity for me just to know myself and know that on one hand, it's a privilege that I think we all have to be able to communicate and not be in a place where we can't communicate and then just have to figure it out. And that was a big lesson for me.
0: Yeah. That's so fascinating. It's so interesting to see as our lives take their course, how whatever we do and wherever we end up, we have those perfect learning lessons that come out that help us become the people that we really want to be. And even in another country, even when it comes to just something like going to the grocery store, like it, it just took you to that next level of growth. So as an independent person, is living abroad something that you had considered before you met your now husband or something you considered or wanted to do? I always wanted to live like
1: three months in Europe. Mm-hmm. I never expected to be here for, it's probably you now three years. <laughs> yeah. I always thought I would, but I never thought that it would end up like this, which I'm not complaining. It's great, right. but it's yeah. just crazy how one intention can lead to a completely different life.
0: hmm That's so exciting. So you mentioned saving up before you consider a move to a different country, move abroad. Is there a certain amount you would have in mind or any other financial advice you'd have for people in that position?
1: I would say you probably want to save up for at least two plane tickets home, but most countries, and again, it depends. I think the first thing you need to consider if you want to move abroad is like considering how you're going to be able to legally stay in the country. So the path that I took was I actually became a student. And again, this comes from my situation of wanting to learn the Italian language because at the time he was my boyfriend, his parents don't speak English. And so it was important for me to learn the language, but it was also a way for me to be able to live in Italy without us having to just get married immediately. We were not ready for that. (laughs) And so we took this full-time student route and I was able to enroll in a language program, which was actually not full-time, but they make it work and that allowed me to move. Now, with being even being a student, I'm sure anyone who's listening, who's done the exchange student or study abroad route, then you recognize that there's still requirements to have a certain amount of money so that you can basically support yourself because Mm -hmm. they don't, again, want you to fully rely on their system because you're not a citizen of their country, So I think every country has a different requirement. Every country has different rules around how long you can stay and how you can stay legally. And it's just good to get up to speed on that so that you're not getting yourself into any kind of tricky situation. And then from a financial perspective, they'll also say, we want to see this much money in a bank account and you actually have to submit that. So it'll depend on the country, but I would say look at getting, depending on how long you're going to stay, at least try to get three to six months of living expenses saved up, especially if you're in a different country. I think it's just important to be able to, like, maybe you're far away from your safety net if you have a safety net and it's good to have your own back when you need
0: it. And I like how you started out by measuring it. You want to have two plane tickets home. That's such an interesting way of looking at it, but it's so true. You at least want to be able to get home. Right. Ideally for a visit and whatever it is, it's time for you to go back to your own country. That's very true. So now that you're married, getting down into the details of it, has your status over there changed or are you still there under a student visa?
1: No, we got married and then that allowed me to get a... It's called a permesso di soggiorno, And it's like permission to be a resident of the country through marriage. It's like a family reunification visa. And then when we moved, we actually moved to Switzerland because of my husband's job. And I think it's also still like a permesso di soggiorno, but it also allows me to have residency in Switzerland and to work. I think it's like a Be residency card. I don't even Mm. know, but you get a residency card and you're allowed to live and work as long as you follow the rules.
0: (laughs) Which I'm sure you do, no problem. (laughs) I try my best. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that makes sense. And I clearly don't know very much about this, but I think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And much like you, I have always had that in the back of my mind. Oh yeah, maybe one day I'll go live in Europe for a while and experiment Mm -hmm. with that. But so I imagine there's kind of all those different categories. And as long as you can find one that you fall into... You just have to follow the necessary steps and get the paperwork and pack your passport and off you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can always come over for three months with the Schengen region, which is not technically the EU, but it's like most EU countries. They have a 90-day visa for most tourists, but like for sure Americans. And you can come over and stay in that region for up to 90 days. I believe it's really complicated, but it's 90 days out of an ongoing 180 day ticking clock. So it's you could come here for three months and then go back home for three months and just do that for forever. And that would be fine. But you can also, a lot of people will go to the UK and I think you can stay in the UK up to 180 days. So again, there's all these different rules and and that's just as a tourist. So you can come over, you can technically like work from there, but then you're still a citizen of the US. You're still probably going to be a primary resident of the US. And so you would pay taxes- to the US government. Again, this is like probably above my pay grade, but you can test it out and and play around. And then if there was something you wanted to do more officially, you could start doing that research. of Okay. What's it going to take for me to be able to stay here maybe for a year or long-term and see what you have to do about that.
0: Yeah. And while you're not a lawyer or an accountant or anything like that, I think it's so interesting to hear it um, and hear about this idea from someone who has been there, who has done it. Because I think you just you know, all the inside things, all the internal. (laughs) And you have, of course, just the wisdom that comes from experience. And you've been there during a very interesting time because of course a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So how did that change living abroad? Or maybe it didn't at all. Maybe you felt like you were going through just the same things everyone else went through, but I imagine being at least a bit removed from your home country, although Mm -hmm. now you definitely live over there, must've been interesting. Yeah. It was interesting.
1: The year working from home is nothing new for me. Both my husband and I both have worked from home and we moved to Switzerland right before everything shut down. So we had been living in Italy and working in Italy and we were living in the suburbs of Milan. And so I was already a little bit isolated. I had one friend and again, I was dealing with like my own social anxiety and we were very used to just spending a lot of time with each other, which is a good thing because I think everyone got a little bit shocked when Mm -hmm. everything changed. And if you have a partner, all of a sudden you're just like with each other constantly, which typically you're like probably going to two different work places and living part of your life separate and then coming back home. And we didn't get to do that during the pandemic. Luckily, my husband and I were pretty used to that and we get along well enough. So that was something that was interesting in terms of the plus side of it all. It was also interesting to move to a new country and then immediately go into lockdown. We made do which it was just fine. Switzerland was a wonderful place for us to actually move to. So we were very, we're actually very grateful for being able to be in Switzerland and not in Milan, which was actually the epicenter at the beginning. I don't know what we would have done if we would have actually been locked down in the apartment we were in there. So being in Switzerland, being able to actually leave the apartment that we were in and be in the Swiss Alps and just Mm. yodel. It was great. (laughs) I think that obviously without making it super heavy. there was plenty of downsides, but for me in terms of what really changed was just not being able to go home mm-hmm. more frequently. And that is one of my like key money priorities is being able to have four flights home a year, which I think for some people they would rather spend that money on two to four designer bags a year and I spend it on airfare and I have no regrets about it. You know that's something that I prioritize being able to see my family about once a quarter. Mm -hmm. And it's intense. A lot of people would, I have friends who go years without going home, but that's high on my kind of value chain. And so I would give up lots of things to be able to fly home. And that was one thing I couldn't do. Thank goodness for FaceTime.
0: Yeah. Have you been able to visit them since
1: all of this started? Yes. I've actually been back twice now. I went back in April and we got our vaccine. And then I just got back from spending three weeks in good old Iowa. So it was (laughs) nice to be back.
0: That's perfect. Well, speaking of family and you mentioned FaceTime, obviously that's big, whether you live down the street from your family or across the world from them. I know that's something that many family members use to stay in touch. How Mm -hmm. have you stayed connected to friends and family back home while living over in Europe? Yeah. Instagram
1: stories. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. A lot of them. It's so funny because I really put a a focus and an effort on using my Instagram for my business. And yet, still, like people I went to high school with follow me on Instagram and watch all of my stories. And I'm like, this doesn't even pertain to you. Like, I'm <laughs> talking about online marketing. You don't need to watch this, but people, they just watch everything. And I think that's how they feel connected to me. That's how I definitely feel connected to them. I wish they would do it more. I can only get so far. So, yeah, I use social media and then we use. FaceTime and I don't like to text very much, but I will if I have to, but usually just any way I can connect with them and see their face is good for me. And then now just getting back as much as I can yeah. once a quarter.
0: Yeah. That's a good rule of thumb. And then it just helps you to plan knowing that I'm going to take this week and I have another one coming up in a couple months. And just gives you that confidence that your relationships are going to stay strong and you're going to put in The FaceTime both like through a screen and in person. Um, I think those are really great tips. So on the flip side, I guess, of that is how have you made in-person connections with people over there?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I actually have been celebrating recently because I finally have friends. And I think As an adult, it feels very difficult to make friends. I know, especially with my experience being in Italy and having my social anxiety, it was very difficult for me to make friends. And now, honestly, I got on Bumble BFF, which was very weird to get back on a dating site after Mm. being married, (laughs) but it's dating for friends. They Or they at least have a, a a version of it that is for friends. And I made a connection with someone who's also an expat. And I think, of course, it depends on where you're at to be able to connect with various people. And expats are a good community because they understand what you're going through. So I connected with someone who is also an expat who happened to also be my neighbor. Our husbands wow. work for the same company. No way. So, <laughs> yeah. So we were able to connect and then she introduced me to a co-working space that she was joining. So we both decided we would join that. And then through that, we've met all of our other friends. And now we have a really awesome community of mostly expats. Switzerland and especially Zurich is very international, very full of people from all different countries because of the industries that they have there. But it's been awesome to be able to like connect with other people. It's kind of be like being a freshman in college again and being like, we're all here, not knowing what to do. We don't, none of us have friends. Let's be each other's friends. And
0: it's very nice. Yeah. That's so perfect. And it's a great reminder that you can find people to connect with anywhere because I know like listening to your podcast over the years, you have so many online friends and connections that you've made that way. That's how we connected. And you've had so many of the guests on your podcast and talking about how you met them through this conference or just on online and you've never actually met them. And so It's cool to see how you translated that skill of meeting people online to making some of these connections in your new city, using tools that are available and out there, and then having that transition to meeting all of these other people and forming such a tight group of friends. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I guess people are the same everywhere, right? (laughs)
1: Exactly. That's the lesson here. We're all just looking for connection and hoping that someone will ask us to do something.
0: Yeah. So what is next for you? You're in Switzerland right now. Actually at this moment of recording, you said you're in Southern Italy, which yes, uh, that's so cool. I'm Italian as you can tell from my last name and I have to go. So Italy is definitely on my list of places to visit, but what's next for you? Are you going to be staying in Switzerland considering a move somewhere else, going back to Italy?
1: We're definitely staying in Switzerland for the next probably five years. I have talked my husband into the FIRE movement, which is financial independence, retire early. So we are working on that. Our Kind of dream goal is to actually buy a property or build a property here in Southern Italy, which is where my husband is from. And he has lots of family here. The cost of living is also very wonderful if you're looking to spend little and enjoy a really nice life. And it's beautiful. It's right by the sea. So there's a lot that's great about it and that we really look forward to. So it's just about making that happen, which means making more money and saving as much as possible.
0: Yeah. And so on that note, let's kind of transition into, you have background in financial coaching and business coaching. Way back at the beginning, you just shared all your tips and insights on money. And I learned so much from you. I think so much of where I am financially is really based off of decisions I made from advice that you gave on your podcast. Aww. And so I thank you for that. <laughs> um, welcome. And Thank I, you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I've been able to share so much of it with friends and siblings. And I know my parents are so proud of me, but really I owe it all to you and the advice that you have given. So what financial advice do you find yourself giving most often or that you most want to share? Oh my gosh, there's so much.
1: I think probably... The one thing is like totally cliche, but it's true that you need to set money aside before you give yourself like a sum of money to spend. It's Parkinson's law through and through. And Parkinson's law says that we will use up the resources that we provide ourselves or the resources that are provided to us. So think about when you were in school, if you were given 10 days to write a paper, you would take the full 10 days to write the paper if you were given... And if it had to be 10 pages long, okay, I'll take the full 10 days. Probably I'll procrastinate for seven and then I'll finish it in the last <laughs> <Right>. three days. <laughs> Alternatively, if you were just given three days to write a 10-page paper, you would write the 10-page mm-hmm. paper in three days. We use the resources that we give ourselves. So if you take 70% of that time and say, okay, we're going to give that to you know ad- another project and you just take 30% and you use it and you can get it done, great. So think about that in terms of your money. Obviously, this is a little bit aggressive because I didn't pick my numbers appropriately. But let's say you set aside 70% of your money and just give yourself 30% to to spend, you'll typically make do with what you have. Mm -hmm. Because humans are super, super adaptable and flexible creatures. And everyone can figure out how to make do for the most part. But a lot of us give in to lifestyle inflation. We give in to all the things that other people want for us, or all the things that society has told us we need. When in fact, we can live on very little. And there's a lot of things that we don't really need. But there's a lot of reasons to spend money. Mm. So if you can, of course, if you'd rather spend now, which I think a lot of us would, because it's short-term gratification. If you'd rather spend now, and that's the most important thing to you, do it. But a lot of us just lack that perspective of seeing our full life and how it's going to be lived out financially. And I think if you take a step back and really look at the full timeline, that gives you the perspective you need to realize, oh, I don't actually need this thing right now. I could do without to pay for my future self and my future self will thank me for that. But the second you start saying yes to every single thing that you could spend money on, you adapt to that lifestyle. It makes it more painful to get back to what's really important and get back to seeing that full picture and making sure that you're taking care of every version of you that could play out in the future. So,
0: Yeah. I think that having that perspective, you're right. That is so key when it comes to thinking about your financial future and bringing in what you said earlier about priorities. When you can apply the perspective to your priorities and what your priorities are for the long-term, not just in the short-term, then I think is when you can really hit the sweet spot of determining what your saving percentage is going to be, what things you want to be investing in or not, or if you want to go and retire early, like you said, you're now pursuing, Mm -hmm. or if you want to spend on flights to go home four times a year or eight times a year or one time a year. And when you can step back and look at the whole picture is when you can have that perspective in light of your priorities and then really make the decisions from there. Yeah, exactly. When I first found you, you were actually interviewed on another podcast, which is what made me switch over and start listening to your podcast instead. And on that one episode that I heard, you were sharing about having different savings accounts Mm -hmm. because a lot of people have one savings account and they just save for everything in there, prioritizing having different buckets. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I went out and did right away. And I love it because with my organizing background. And actually that was on an organizing podcast that I heard you. So the tip made a lot of sense. Having everything just parceled out, sorted is so nice. And it is that visual reminder, I think to me of my priorities, what they Mm -hmm. are and putting money in them just automatically every month reminds me that I am acting in line with my priorities, even if it is just on autopilot now, so that my present and my future are all supported in that way that I know is already what I want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think boundaries is such a hot topic right now but like boundaries applies just as much to like your personal space and your time as it does also to your finances and i think just unfortunately we're in a world where people are in right now pandemic speaking it's another thing But we've also developed a lot of this learned behavior that's gotten us into bad financial situations. And some of it is not our fault, but it's our responsibility to take care of from here. And like I said, there's a lot of reasons to spend money. There's a lot of things that you can say yes to. You can pay to change your entire face. Then you have to pay monthly or quarterly to keep up with that. There's so much, especially for women, to spend money on. Mm -hmm. And I find that... When we put some boundaries around where we allow our money to go, that's when you start to kind of align with your priorities. That's when you decide, okay, it's more important for me because travel is my top priority to be able to get home. It's more important for me to set this $300 a month aside than to spend it on takeout or the other easy ways that we can just see money leave our bank account. And so I think that's why it's hard to do that. Because what do you want right now when you get home from work or when you close your laptop after 17 Zoom calls all day? What do you want so bad? What do you want to not do? You don't want to cook. What do you want? You just want to eat. You want to eat from your favorite restaurant. You want to get it right now. And so in that moment, it's so much harder to make the decision to just cook anyway or to eat the leftovers that you put in your fridge and promise yourself you're going to eat, <laughs> then to, you know, it's much harder to do that than to say, yeah, let me just open up Uber Eats and make it happen. While I instead of put that money or consider that money is in my travel account. So a lot of times I say, put that money aside, hit your top priorities first. Give your money a purpose right away so that you don't forget the purpose of that $300 yeah. and then let it drain out of your account after, I don't know, three nights of ordering takeout. Because it's true, you're probably exhausted, but it's also remembering there's things that we can do to get ourselves into a better situation to take care of our future. And that both comes in like meal prepping or having leftovers and also putting money away for, I don't know, a trip or whatever, whatever the priority is.
0: And if you can step back and It's super hard in the moment. Trust me, I know. But if you can step back and say, what is going to give me more rest and relaxation and peace in the long run? Is it going to Uber Eats right now? Or is it being able to go on that vacation next month or to visit my family? Mm, In that, like when you look at it that way, the decision is pretty clear, even if it's not what you want to hear at 8 p.m. on a Thursday night. Exactly. Um, And you're right, when it's out of sight, out of mind, and you have everything set up and it needs to happen and you've made those decisions intentionally in, in advance. You're just so much more set up for success than if you reach the end of the month and just assume oh, whatever's left over that I didn't spend on Uber Eats is what I'm going to save, and then you're not really getting anywhere in the direction that you want to be.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you can't, and and it's so much harder to actually measure and have a timeline on because it's okay one month it's fifty and another month it's right fifty cents. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I want to move on to the resolution round, talk a little bit about goals, where you're at, where you're going in the future. So let's start out with, do you set goals and resolutions? And if so, what is that process like for you?
1: I do set goals and resolutions. I usually do it with my husband. Between Christmas and New Year's, we take some time and I take him through one of my many exercises. I found the... It's called The Wheel of Life. And I found this exercise from Denise Duffield Thomas, one of her many wonderful books. And you go through the different categories of your life and you rank it on a scale of one to 10. And like 10 being, I'm super happy with this category of life and one being like, this one's really bad. And usually you fall in the middle somewhere, but you can identify like the... I I identify the three categories that probably need the most boost and that I really want to make sure I'm focusing on. And usually they're the ones that have the lower score because we want to make sure that we're making that wheel nice and round. So if you can imagine this Mm -hmm. wheel, it's like one is closer in, 10 is on the outside. And if you have some fives and some threes, then that doesn't really even look like a wheel. So you want to push all the threes and the fives out as far as you can. So anyway, I focus on those three categories. And then we try to set three goals within each category. And it's a mixture between like goals with a timeline and a deadline. But also, I don't know if you would call this more of a resolution, but I think of it more as a resolution of something I'm going to do more regularly, something that I can almost turn into a habit or at least achieve more so on a monthly basis versus this is like the end all be all goal. And so I try to get a mix of that so that I think one can fuel and feed into the other. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's how I go about it. And I do it.
0: I love that. Well, and doing it is the most important part. Like we were talking about it. If you don't know the direction you're heading, you're not going to get there. So I love that too. And I love that exercise using your end of your review to then assess and analyze and go forward is so great and so powerful. So what is the biggest or a big goal or resolution that you've set and completed? So I have two because I just thought of one and we've already talked about it. But
1: one was I wanted to make $100,000 in my business and I did it. And so exciting! it's exciting. And it's also not that big of a deal. I mean, (laughs) I don't want to downplay it because I think that's everyone's goal. But I also think it's like such an idiotic goal. I don't know. I get my I get money goals. I'm a money coach. I get it, but it's also mm. build a business that fuels you. Don't right. focus so much on the money. Anyway, I just I I have a little bit of a a chip on my shoulder with all the like people who just sell the six figure dream. So <laughs> anyway, we can talk about that another time. But I did it. And I think I still am really proud that I set that goal for myself. And it took me a long time to achieve it. It wasn't just a one year resolution. It was probably my New Year's resolution for four years straight. But it -hmm. feels good to finally hit a mile marker that you've been aiming for. Yeah. And the other one was actually one of my kind of resolution goals from 2020 and I didn't hit it until probably April, May, maybe June of this year. And that was making friends. I actually had a goal when I started 2020, which like for obvious reason was (laughs) sidelined, but I had a goal to make three new friends. And now I have, I think like five (laughs) who's counting, but
0: like (laughs) pretty big deal. Right. I'm impressed with myself. (laughs) You should be like what kind of adult has five friends regularly in your town. You can go hang out with that's, that's amazing. And I love both of those because they show that, setting them as resolution is great. Setting that intention, identifying it, working towards it. A lot of times they take longer than a year and that's totally okay. And it's through the persistence and dedication that you get both over the course of a year and just in general, however long it takes you to reach your goal. That's what's ultimately going to get you there. And that's what matters more than any certain timeline um, or really anything else. If that's what you want is to make five friends or to reach a hundred thousand dollars or anything else, it's the persistence that's going to get you there. And that's, what's Mm -hmm. most important then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, don't they say like you overestimate what you can achieve in a year, but underestimate what you can achieve in 10. And I think that's what makes resolutions and goal setting so hard. And Mm -hmm. so discouraging for a lot of people is that most people don't even make it a year, but if they are pushing, like in the case of business ownership or friendship, I think these are so, so many things that we try for longer than a year. At least if you're really willing to try, you try for longer than a year and still you might not hit that goal. And that's a chip on my shoulder that I have about this six-figure dream that people sell. Is It's awesome to be able to hit it, but it also takes a lot. And so I think it's like we need to set realist... Not, I don't even want to say realistic I think that's so lame, but we need to set appropriate expectations mm-hmm. for people because it is possible but it's not, it's not just going to grow overnight. And all of a sudden it's going to happen. It takes that consistency and that persistence and oftentimes accountability and coaching and people to continue to cheer you on and believe in you when a lot of times you don't believe in yourself. So whether it's friendship or hitting an income goal, it it oftentimes will, or it can take longer than you expect, but that's okay. And you just keep going.
0: Yeah. And building that skill of persistence and the self-awareness and the self-compassion and All those things that you're building all along the way, even and especially when it takes you longer than you thought, that's the real reward a lot of the time. Sure, Mm -hmm. hitting 100K is nice. Having that money in your bank account is awesome, especially when you take the time to feel proud and excited about yourself. But it's all the work that it took to get there and the person that you become that is even more exciting.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why I'm like, oh, I had six figures because I'm like, Actually, that's not important at all. Once you, any goal that you hit, you're always like, okay, hit the goal because so much of hitting the goal is everything you had to do to get there. And that's the lesson that I think anyone who's achieved a goal always wants to say is it's not about that end goal. It's about all the other stuff. Let me tell you about all the other stuff. And most people are like, no, but what about the goal? What about the numbers? (laughs) What about the the dollars in my bank account? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And the most amazing thing is even if it took you four years to get there, you did it 100% in alignment with the person you wanted to be living the life that you wanted to and building the business that you're going to continue to grow and scale, but you didn't have to burn yourself out or invest in tons of programs or anything like that. You were able to do it exactly the way that you wanted to and reach your goal. Yeah. What goal are you currently working on? That's a
1: good question. We have early retirement, so that's definitely mm-hmm. one one of my goals. I'm trying to think business wise. I actually am working on mm-hmm. resting, like taking some time just to be happy with my current business and not constantly feel like it's not good enough. Because I think that's one of the always evolving dynamics of building your own business. Is like you reach a goal and then you're like, well great, that's over On to the next thing. And I'm really trying to just be happy with reaching this goal and be happy with what this has provided for me and the type of lifestyle that I get to live without constantly striving for the next thing. And that is a goal in and of itself because it's really hard to not always be looking, thinking, oh, I need what they have. So that's something that I'm actually actively practicing right now. And I've been doing that kind of all summer and and I'm happy about that. But then everything else is just getting back to the plans that we had. And I know the pandemic isn't over, but now that some things are starting to open, just getting back. I have to plan our wedding again because <laughs> we moved it so many times. I like don't remember most things. So like, I have a husband. We're legally married, but we still have to like, do the whole shebang. Wedding planning is... I understand why there are people who make that their job because right. it is a full-time job. Me, I'm on a budget, so I got to plan it myself. <laughs>
0: That's so cool though. And it's fun to be working on all like the practical things like wedding planning and you can check stuff off, but also the looser is not really the best word, but the things that you can just feel into that really are completely growth focused. You just think about as the day goes on and actively practice, they're not even habits, but they're certainly aspects of the person that we want to become. And the only way to become that person is to practice them. So I love seeing that range there and Mm -hmm. they all fit together so well ultimately, and you have the time and capacity then to work on all of it. And that's just so beautiful to see. Yeah. Thanks. So every week on the podcast, we encourage listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. What would you encourage our listeners to resolve to do?
1: Ooh, What do I want them to do? I feel like I have lots of power right now. (laughs) I would ask you to resolve to put some boundaries around your consumption habits. And obviously this is like financial consumption, but Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because the way we connected was through an organizing podcast and we put boundaries around what we allow in our closets. Some of us don't. My sister doesn't. We put boundaries around what we allow on our schedule. We put boundaries around what people are, what we say yes to to others. But sometimes we don't. And that's why I think boundaries have become such a big part of our vernacular this past year. Mm-hmm. Because we're recognizing that we're like getting a little bit frayed. We're getting a little bit burnt out. We're not having a lot of space. We're losing our actual storage space and things are becoming cluttered in every area of life. And so if you can just choose to put a boundary in place about what you allow and what you don't allow, it's no longer you just like saying, I can't afford it. It's saying, Mm -hmm. I choose to just be more picky about where I put my hard earned Cash because you worked for that money Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that's energy that you put out to get that. And now it could go towards something like a vacation Mm -hmm. that might give you more peace and rest and ease. Or it could go to the Chipotle burrito, Mm -hmm. which you just gotta weigh your options and decide. And someday you're gonna decide, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna (sighs) keep my boundaries up and I'm gonna take that Chipotle burrito. And other days Mm -hmm. you're gonna be like you know what? No, I really like the idea of eating a burrito in Texas. I recently learned that burritos aren't actually Mexican. So um, (laughs) a burrito in Texas (laughs) when I'm on my vacation in South Padre Island. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I love thinking about boundaries in that way too, because it can be, I'm going to spend X amount on a certain category, or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend in a certain category at all, or it can be, I'm willing to eat out three times a week, or I'm going to book four flights a year. The boundary can look so different or it can look different across so many different categories, but being willing to put them in place is so important and being willing to consider what they might be.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of times people think, oh, I don't want to take away By saying no to these things or by only allowing myself to spend $200 on restaurants each month. Oh, that's so lame. But it's like you put that boundary in place so you can create space and say yes to other things Mm -hmm. that you also like and that you also prioritize. And so by calling them boundaries, I think it allows us to be like yeah, we say no to helping everyone because we can't pour from an empty cup. So we have to take care of ourselves too. We say no to buying all the things because we only have so much space and we want to make sure that what we have and what we own is like our favorite thing. There's so many ways that boundaries are really beautiful. So they can be beautiful with your money
0: as well. I love that. So I just want to end with some confetti questions. These are just for fun to help us get to know you a little bit better. And the first is what time do you get up? I wish I could say five or six in the morning, but I get up at eight. Typically. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love getting up at eight too. That's like my sweet spot. If I just let myself sleep, that's normally when I would wake up too. Yeah. When do you do your best work? Like time of the day. Or place or anything else. When do I do
1: my best work? In the winter, because I'm like, yes, there's no pressure to socialize mm. anymore. Everyone's inside. So in the winter, in the ballroom with a knife. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Um, in the winter, I love, I know I just said, move to Italy and just be fine with not having coffee shops, but I love working from a coffee shop. And honestly, I'm, I'm very introverted. I love the creation the type of creation work. So as much as I love supporting my clients and being on podcasts and doing all this, my best work is when I'm just in a coffee shop in the winter, creating something juicy. Mm. Yes. What is the best piece of advice that you've been given? When I was in 10th grade, I was on the diving team and I sucked. I was so bad and I was so scared to do everything. And so there was a quote on the whiteboard. There was a whiteboard like, I think the college students would write their dives or something. I don't know, but there was a whiteboard on the wall and then there was the diving board. So, if you st- stood on the diving board facing the wall back to the pool, mm-hmm. you could see this whiteboard. And there was a quote on it that said, Feel the fear and do it anyway.
0: Mm.
1: And that's actually a quote by Susan Jeffers. I don't know. I got to look it up. I have her book and I just haven't read it, but it's just that quote. And I think so often, we let the fear of something keep us from actually doing anything when, in fact, fear is not real. Fear is not a threat. Fear is simply made up in our minds. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of times we stop ourselves from pursuing something because of a fear, which it does not live in reality. If it's actual imminent danger, okay, sure. But the fear of what people might think, the fear of what could potentially happen, mm-hmm. that's just your brain making up all the reasons you shouldn't do something. So, you're allowed to feel the fear. But you should do it anyway. Yeah. Jump
0: off the diving board, live around the world.
1: <laughs> Make people really worried about you when you're doing an inward somersault and it looks like you're going to hit the board, oh. but you are so bad at diving that you jump so
0: far to the right. You're totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Just after watching the Olympics, even the professionals, how close they get to the diving board is so terrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you do to rest?
1: A lot of things. Lately, I've been listening to, oh, what is Outlander? The mm. series. I started watching it on Netflix and I was like, I can be a better person and I can listen to this book and walk so mm. I don't just binge watch the entire series because <laughs> it was getting dangerous. So I've been listening to the audiobook, but I, I do walk. A lot of times I mm. walk. I love walking. I've also been playing Sudoku Ooh. a lot while listening to this like Scottish- Highland tale and time travel and I don't know fairies. I love that.
0: Yeah. So fun. What is your favorite beverage? Maybe when you're at that coffee shop in the winter?
1: Oh my gosh. I love a cold brew coffee with oat milk.
0: Mm. Yeah. And what is your favorite TV show?
1: Right now it's Love Island UK. Okay. I'm also, I am like not someone to look up to. I go hard for Bachelor in Paradise, The Bachelorette. I listen to podcasts that kind of analyze it. I am very much one with Bachelor Nation, so.
0: I love that. It's whatever you want. If that's your thing, go all in. Yeah,
1: anything Uh. I can escape to.
0: Yeah, exactly. What book has had the greatest impact on your life? Probably,
1: I have to think of my bookshelf right now. (laughs) I think it was Essentialism by Greg McCowan. Mm -hmm. Um, I read that in a very pivotal time where I was really frustrated with my corporate job and frustrated with the ways we were doing things and all the basically time we were wasting on a lot of things. But I always come back to it in terms of business. And a lot of the advice I give today is really just focusing on the essential few and ignoring or just like letting the trivial many wait. And I think that's the hardest part about building a business is there's so many distractions and so many things that your brain wants to distract you with so that Mm -hmm. you, you know, avoid the thing that was the most important, but you're also the most afraid of. Yeah. So feel the fear and do it anyway. And Separate the trivial many from the yeah. essential few.
0: Yeah. Essentialism was a great book. I just read Effortless, which is his new one. And I thought okay. it pulled all the best ideas out of that, but while also incorporating that idea of rest. And so I really recommend both of those books with you. Yeah.
1: i going to have to read that next. I yeah. have really been on like a self-help detox. And mm-hmm. so obviously the shows that I watch, the podcasts I listen to, and the books that I'm reading these days, they're all have nothing to do
0: with distance. <laughs> I might have to have you back on to talk about that because that is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been coming up more and more in conversation. So I think it's something that might be the new trend. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. What book are you currently reading? Outlander? Is that...
1: Yep, I'm currently reading Outlander, the second book. I went through the 40 hours of the first book and now I'm on the second 40-hour
0: book. I have three hours left. Yeah.
1: I think that's the only book I'm reading at yeah. the moment. I'm very in line. I love it.
0: What is a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you? I'm taking
1: a vacation next week. And that's a big deal because I feel like I'm always because I can,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm working cuz right. I can work from anywhere, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. So, that's a full unplugged vacation next week and I'm very excited.
0: We will definitely toast that with you. Hope it's a great vacation. So where can people go to find more information about you and what you're doing um, and where you're living?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think everything that you might be interested in, you can find on Instagram. My handle is Tess underscore Wix. If you're interested in money coaching or just learning about business through a person who helps money coaches build their businesses, I think for any coaching business, it's probably applicable. I have a podcast. Carly has been on it more recently. You're one of the more recent guests. I haven't had lots of guests lately. You are there and it's the Wonder Wealthy podcast. You can find also anything that I have available at wonderwealthy.com. Yeah.
0: Uh, podcast is so great. Everyone should definitely check it out and maybe even go all the way back to the beginning. Like I said, I got all of my money wisdom from Tess, the little bit yeah. that I have. And so you can go back to and get all of that early stuff. And even I love your Instagram too, because... Not only do you share great stuff for all coaches, but seeing the glimpses that you share of your life now in Switzerland, and even as you travel between the countries over there, it's just so beautiful and definitely makes me want to consider more strongly going abroad at some point in the future. You shall. I definitely plan to. Tess, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was so great to hear about your journey and your time living over in Europe. Definitely hope to follow in your footsteps and all of your fantastic money advice that has guided me so well.
1: Thank you so much. This was so fun to be on your show.
0: I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Tess Wicks as much as I did. She has so much great information to share. She's someone I have been learning from for years, someone who I know I will continue to learn from. And I value her friendship so much, even though we have never met in person. <laughs> normally we've been separated by states and now continents. But I certainly hope to meet her someday and be able to have some coffee in a nice little coffee shop face-to-face, but until then, like she said, we can have friends all across the world. It's so great to connect with my listeners all across the world, whether it's through the podcast or through Instagram, my clients who are in countries I have never even been to. It's so exciting that we live in a world that is so connected, but it's also Amazing when we can kind of break through that connectivity on a whole new level and go to places we've never been before, live in places we've never been before, experience cultures that we have not yet gotten to. And that's something that I'm even more inspired to go and do thanks to all that Tess had to share. She has so much great mindset advice, so many great practical tips, whether it comes to your finances or looking to move to a different country. She has so much great stuff to share. So definitely check out Tess, check out her podcast, and I may be having her back in the not too distant future to talk about more of all of this exciting stuff. Thanks for tuning into the Resolve podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show and subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlyjazano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.